Well, good morning. How's everybody today? Welcome to winter in Illinois, right? I almost preached in shorts today, but I thought it might be too quick to bring the white legs out. You know what I'm saying? So, wow, you guys thought that was funny. Well, it is. Hey, I'm Danny, and I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian, and uh, man, it is so good to be here and so good to uh, actually get to wrap up this series a little bit. Uh, it's hard to believe it's almost over, and uh, next week we actually get to start a series called The Bible Doesn't Say That, and that's going to be a little bit fun. But uh, today I want to talk to you a little bit about just a legacy. You know, everybody leaves a legacy. Some of you in this room are going, I, I, why, why am I even thinking about this? I just graduated high school, you know, I, my life's just ahead of me, and it, well, today is a great day to start thinking about your legacy. I mean, you you get in your 20s, you start heading towards something, 30s, you start building something, 40s, you start mastering something by your 50s, you start figuring out, hey, retirement's around the corner, right? The 60s and 70s. And all of a sudden we stop and we turn back and we go, what was my life about? It's a great question for us to ask today. What is our life about Today, I want to give you a couple of pictures of legacy today, and uh, I want you just to, to, to look at them and see if you can figure out who this is. Here's the first picture I want to show you, okay? You can see it on the side. Can you figure out who that is? Can you guess who that might be? That's Avery Friedman. This is Eric Friedman's uh, bundle of joy that was born o- over Christmas break, and uh, yeah, yeah. Almost as cute as my children, but hey, that, that happens, you know. So I want to show you another picture. Um, obviously, that's me. But uh, some of you may recognize this person because he uh, works at the State Farm Center or things like that. But he serves around here faithfully. But this is Lynn Campbell. And uh, we threw a party for him uh, this last week in the office here. Lynn actually uh, serves faithfully around the building. And uh, anytime there's a mess or something, he runs towards it rather than away from it. And we just wanted to uh, celebrate him today because we have volunteers. Volunteers like this all around uh, our body, around our, our family at church. But uh, Lynn and his wife are going to be moving to, to Arizona. And uh, the reason we wanted to show you, because these two different people, these two different lives, one is beginning a legacy and one is continuing his legacy, you know? It doesn't just stay here. It goes wherever you go. And so I want you to think about that for just a moment. What does it take to build an eternal legacy? Something that's going to echo beyond your very life. What's going to make a significant impact on those around you so that, that maybe, maybe be remembered in a different way. Now, some of us think about legacy and we think about, you know, people who get their names on buildings or maybe a little a plaque next to a room or maybe there's a, a bust of them somewhere, you know, they write a book, whatever it may be. And the truth of the matter is most of us will never be wealthy enough to get our name on the side of a building. We'll probably never do something so significant that they'll write a book about us, but we each leave a legacy. We each leave a legacy. Our life speaks towards something. It points towards something. And so it's crucial for us to begin to pause and say, what is our life about? What is the legacy when, when all the toys are put back into the box and life is done, what will be said about us, about who we are, about how we lived our life, about the priorities or values that we expressed, what will be said of us. 
Now we want you to we want you to begin to think about this uh, as we're stepping into 2019. I mean, one month's already gone. Some of us are like, oh my goodness, 2018 is already over. But I want you to think about this as you're heading into the next 11 months and you're going to finish out this year. What is something that you're saying this needs to happen this year? Maybe it's a change and some certain decisions, maybe uh, uh, in in your finances or your job, or maybe there's something that needs to change in in your relationships, whether you're dating or whether you're married. uh, Maybe something needs to change within certain friendships or a relationship with your children, or there's something that you're going, I really want this year, when it finishes, I want to be able to say that my life pointed towards this, an eternal legacy. How do you create that? Now, we're going to look at a a man's life today that uh, I think is a great example of a legacy, but it's a difficult example of a legacy, and we're going to look at a man's life named Job. Now, some of you are like, why why are we stepping into Job today? Haven't we been in Proverbs this series? Yes. Now, the truth of the matter is there are three wisdom books in Scripture, okay? The 66 books of the Bible, there are three that are are considered wisdom books, and they're they're kind of like salsa, you know? There's mild, medium, and hot, you know? And so you have uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job, you know? Job is kind of the one that's really intense. Uh, Ecclesiastes reminded us that, you know, not everything in life uh, is going to last, Right? Meaningless, meaningless. Proverbs has given us foundational truths to build on. Proverbs is a snapshot of a man's life going through the ebb and flow of the wins and losses, battling through his faith, and wrestling with the kind of legacy that he may have. Job, for us, exemplifies this beginning portion of where we've started in Proverbs Chapter 1, verse 7, saying, The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Let me say that again. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's a crucial verse for us, this entire series. And as we began to unpack it, we began to realize that it's not being frightened of God, being scared of God. It's this understanding that in our place in this world, our knee bends to God. Our respect, our honor, our life is laid out before God. And what we want to do is live with a clear perspective that everything that we are and all that we have is placed at the feet of God. And so let's look at Job's life a little bit. If you want to open your Bibles, you can actually open to, to Job chapter 1. It's the book of the Bible. It looks like Job, but his name's Job. And uh, you can kind of jump around. through. We're going to look at uh, some different chapters throughout uh, the book of Job, but we're also going to jump into Proverbs a little bit. So if you just want to follow the screen, we can do that as well. Here's what it says, Job chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the land of Uz, wouldn't you like to live in Uz? Oh, sorry, anyway. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This was... Uh, This man was blameless. He was upright. He was a person of character. He feared God and he shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 uh, yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, uh, had a large number of servants, and he was the greatest man among the people of the East. Okay? Now, as many books open in Scripture, there's kind of a a foreshadowing of what's trying to happen. There's kind of a a summarization of where this man is headed. And we can see from the trajectory, trajectory of his life that he has a big family, 
which is a representation of blessing. He has lots of livestock. He has lots of stuff. And this would be seen as a man who is, is flourishing in his world and in his life. In other words, Job's loaded, okay? Job's got everything pointing in the right direction. And people go, that, that's the kind of person that I, I would really like to be. It's, it's interesting, though, because if you know anything about Scripture and about the life of Job... Job is known as being a man of suffering, right? So the story starts with beautiful music playing and butterflies rising from the grass and everything seems to be great, but we know we're headed towards a train wreck. And perhaps that's why we love Job so much is because it's like he lives this verse, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. He says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Oh my, I wish we could remove that word once in a while, can the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Discipline. Maybe a legacy starts with hardship, with discipline. Some of you are like, I wish the weather was bad again. I would have stayed home, watched this online, and turned this off, right? No, that doesn't sound like something that we're all wanting to jump in and be a part of, but it's part of what we need to understand. So here's what happens is Job's life is heading in the right direction and the adversary of God, Satan, the way this book plays out is that Satan and God have this conversation and Satan wants to bring an attack against Job and God's confidence in Job's faithfulness. God basically says, bring it, game on. Let's see what happens in Job's life. So verse 12 out of Job says this, the Lord says to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power. But the man himself do not lay a finger. So God enables, God allows hardship to come, not just with both barrels, but the entire infantry, the nuclear bombs, everything comes at Job. He loses everything to his family. He loses everything of his belongings. But Job remains faithful. It, it, it's possible that as we start this conversation about an eternal legacy, that we have to admit that it starts with trusting God. It's maybe this truth that we need a perspective that God is good even when life is not. If you've been a Christian for more than 10 minutes, this is a hard truth to live, isn't it? When you're obedient to God, when you do what God wants, when you're trying to put your life in a trajectory that is submitting to God and life gets hard, that's hard to swallow. But that's Job. In fact, it, it impacts every part of your life. I, I think many of us, when we get into a relationship with God, we assume that uh, having a relationship with God is going to be peachy. It's going to get up and to the right. It's going to go the way it's supposed to go. I mean, you think about Job. He's got money. Thank you, God, right? He's got a wife. He's got kids. Thank you, God. He's got the job he wants. Thank you, God. He, he's got health. Thank you, God. But a lasting legacy doesn't just start in the things of life. It's learning to hold on to the things of life, the, the things that really matter, about worshiping and following and obeying and trusting God, even when life goes awry. 
And if you're young in your faith, or maybe you don't believe in God today, my guess is that when things get tough, you push away from things like this. There can't be a God. There isn't a God. There's no way there's a God. And I want to tell you, in the few years that I've lived my faith, it's been the hardest times that have led me to the greatest times. It's been the suffering and challenges that has matured me and grown me and stretched me. And spiritually, people, I'm not flexible. My faith doesn't always go the direction I want it to go. My life doesn't always go the way I want it to go. But when we look at Job, Job leans back into God. But Job has these three friends that want to give him advice, and they are, they're not the poster children for good friends. They give him terrible advice. They push back. And my encouragement is not is for you to don't, don't be this kind of friend to those who struggle. Here's what they say to him, though. Consider now who being innocent has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, or as we have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Okay? So here's what's going on in Job's life. Job's life is tough. He's being faithful to God. His friends that are hanging out with him are going to say, hey, you know, if you're doing the right thing, you don't have trouble. If you're doing what God really wants, you're not going to have trouble. But those who have trouble, you must be hiding something. There must be something else. I mean, the only reason that you would have this going on in your life is because you're sinning. You're pushing against God. There's something else going on. And that's got to be frustrating. Maybe that's why Proverbs says this verse, right? Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffer harms. Students, if you're in this room, that's why your parents push so hard on choosing the friends that you have. Not that you should isolate yourself from friends in need, but the company that you surround yourself with. That's why we have community groups. The company that we surround ourselves with often helps us in the perspective of the life that we live, the trajectory that we're a part of, and helps us push through even the most difficult of times. And Job's response back to them is great. You, however, you smear me with lies. You're worthless physicians, all of you. <laughs> so Job pushes back and basically says, the medicine you're giving, it ain't working. It's not making me feel any better. It's not changing the struggle I'm in. I've lost my wife. I've lost my kids. I've lost my house. I've lost all my livestock. I've lost every penny to my life. And you have the audacity to look me in the face and say, you must have something wrong with your life. Have you been there? Thus Job does what many of us do when we're contemplating our life. I mean, you think about it through the lenses of where we've been with Ecclesiastes. <laughs> hebel, hebel, everything is meaningless. What, what really matters in my life? As we read through Proverbs and we begin to see truths of health and life or death and struggle, we begin to realize that maybe pressing into God in difficult times is what's going to help us build a foundation that ultimately lasts. But Job begins to really question. He begins to really struggle. Listen to what he says. But where? Where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? 
or live. No mortal, no human comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. And he said this to the, the human race. The fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. And to shun the evil is understanding. Eventually, Job uh, resolves to persist in pursuing wisdom. That above all else, his life will be about fearing God, honoring God in everything that he is, says and does, and avoiding evil. Amidst all of that that he goes through, everything he loses, he continues to press back in. All the bad advice that comes back his directions. As he begins to figure out the conclusions of his life, he presses back into God to practice what is right, to honor what's most noble, to fear the Lord above all. Which reminds us that our lasting legacy includes even the very daily decisions of our lives. Even some of the most menial decisions that we make help point towards our surrender, our submission back to God, the legacy that we want to leave pointing back to God. Unfortunately, the story, or fortunately, the story isn't over. But Job continues to suffer. He continues to go through hardship, but eventually things begin to turn around. But but think about Job for just a minute. What was the legacy he wanted to leave? Or better, what is the legacy he has left for us to look at? Job is like any other man, a man who lived in the fear of the Lord, who sought out and listened to the wisdom of God above all else, a man who daily chose to follow God and despite it all. If Job wanted to leave a legacy of cash, it was gone. If Job wanted to leave a legacy of family, it was gone. If Job wanted to leave a legacy of land or power or stuff, it was all gone. But Job left a legacy of someone whose life pointed back to his foundation, to where true life comes, a relationship with God. So this is kind of how the story wraps up. You know, God speaks to Job. He actually restores Job in abundance The Lord affirms the poor wisdom of his friends. God makes the point uh, after a series of questions uh, that believers do not always know what God is doing in their lives. Rather, they're called to pursue God, though, and not necessarily always understand God's ways. Here's what it says in chapter 42, verses 1 through 3. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. Job wraps up his life in a summation that clearly God's perspective and his perspective were on different pages at different times. God's plans never fail, and God is leading us towards something always. And this becomes kind of a foreshadowing of our dependency on Jesus and his work on the cross 
That Job realizes that God is working even in and through his moments of life, pointing towards a life of redemption, a manner in which he calls all of us to live, a life of legacy free of sin, a life filled with forgiveness and God's love. God empowered Job just like God empowers us, that we would, even through daily decisions, begin to live a life that points to a legacy that pursues Jesus. So how do we, how do we pursue wisdom? And Job would tell you, you live in a manner that fears God first, push away from evil, and God would be at the center of it all. It's this truth, the daily choice to follow Jesus is the only choice for an eternal legacy. You can have buildings and stuff, your name's on things, a book written after you, and eventually those fade away. But the only thing that lasts forever is the relationship we have with God. It's the impact of who Jesus is on our lives, ultimately. It's the influence of his spirit permeating our world. And Jesus once challenged people, and he was asking these questions about life and legacy. And oftentimes we quote the end of this passage that I'm going to read, but we don't often listen to the words that he says to set up this, this question. Jesus says to his disciples, here's what it says in Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him, meaning Jesus. For whoever wants to save their life must lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me will find it. Here's the big question. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So here's the question. What do we need to deny of ourselves to build an eternal legacy? What is it that we're building up for ourselves that really stands in the way of living towards God? Because the reality is, if God will allow Job to go through times of trouble, I bet God would let you go through times of trouble. And if your foundation is built on your degree or the name on the back of your jersey or the amount of money in your wallet or the car that you drive or the person on your arm or the size of your house or whatever it may be, those things fade away. They pass. So what do we think about when we think about legacy? I mean, depending on your age right now, you probably either have a, a snapshot or somewhat of a highlight reel, right? Uh, you either kind of think about where you are right now or where you're heading or where you've been. You maybe see it in, in full perspective or in partial perspective. But I think about those early pictures we saw, and they're, they're very much like, like sometimes the way we look at things. I mean, sometimes we look at them as if they were just right in front of us, Right? Today, I gotta, after church gets done, we got to get to lunch. We're going to go see our friends. We're going to go uh, to that friend's house who cheers for that stinking team, and we're going to hate them this afternoon. You know, what, what, you've, you've got everything that's just pressed up right against now. 
But when God looks at us, God sees a, a grander perspective. Not only our life or our family or the generations that brought us here, but God sees an entire story that's being played out. We think in years, but God thinks in lives. We think in years, but God thinks in lives. And so I want to pause for a moment and just begin to think about what's the legacy that we want to pass on? And what's the life that we want to live? Because when we press into Job, there's some really interesting things that begin to happen. We begin to see that maybe our life, maybe we should pass something on. It shouldn't just be about this moment, this time, my life, my recognition. What if there's something greater? If I was to let go, if I was to surrender my life before God, if God was to write my story, God, where would God take me? What, what kind of obstacles would we overcome? What kind of challenges would we take on? How might God use even the hardest stuff of my life to be able to point back to say, God was there and God grew me, changed me, transform me and who might God reach who might God speak into God sees the whole picture of our lives where we've been where we are and where we're going when you preach a message like this you you think about the friends that fell out their prayer cards you think about the friends that are in your community group you think about your friends that are at work and are struggling. And sometimes a message like this can be encouraging. And sometimes a message like this can be trite. Maybe today you're battling cancer. Maybe today you've been asking God, God, we want to have a baby. Maybe today you're sitting here trying to, to overcome an addiction. Maybe today you're trying to figure out what's, what's the right job for me to take. Maybe you're trying to restore some things with an ex or a friend or a family member. Maybe you just feel pain every time we talk about struggle. But what you see up close for this year, God sees as an entire part of your life. What you see up close as a trial, God probably sees as a season of discipline and growth for his glory. What you see up close as a failure or a mistake, God sees as a chance to extend grace. What you see as most fulfilling, God may not see it as that. Because ultimately, ultimately, the only thing that lasts forever is our relationship with God. Let's move to a time of response. I have a good friend who's passed away. He was, uh, excuse me, in his 70s when he did. His name was Ed. Had a burr cut, kind of a gruff fellow. Uh, worked at a, a, a plant for years. Did well, made lots of money. And he got to that point of retirement and looked back on who he was and who he'd become. He had a couple adult kids that were struggling at life. He had a wife who had been extremely faithful to him, and he was grateful for her relationship. He had amassed all sorts of retirement, and he had a lot of stuff. 
But I remember the day he came to me and said, um, hey, do you think I'm too old to be a youth sponsor? What, what do you mean? Yeah, I, I hear at times we need, we need help with our students, and do you think I could help there? And I said, well, sure, but why do you ask? And he began to unpack on how when I look at all of my life and where it's been, there's so much I wasn't a part of. God got a hold of his heart right before retirement, and he started going on mission trips with the church that we were a part of. He began to see people of need. He began to see poverty in different ways. He began to see hardship and struggle well beyond his own life. Uh, But then in 2006, 2007, of course, the recession hit, and he had amassed this whole sense of wealth, and it had just cut in half. All of his life's work cut in half. And he said, you know what? My, My life's filled with things but my life's not made of the things of life. I've put God off for too long. I've maybe let my children grow up to think that there are other priorities more important than my relationship with God. And in essence, the 70-year-old man became one of our favorite youth sponsors. He went on inner-city mission trips, two of us, to Indian reservations in Arizona, did wild and crazy stories with us, told crazy stories. And he just poured out his life. You know, I, I don't know Ed before he was in his 70s. But I will forever be impacted for the way he poured into my family, poured into strangers, and the way he changed his life. There is no better day than today to think about your legacy. And I know there are things pressing into your life right now that there is so much frustration and anger, it's really hard to hear the compassion of God, the grace of God. And so maybe in this moment right now, maybe we just need to take a deep breath. Maybe we just need to pull back our perspective from a little bit pull back from, from what you're right on or what you've just come through and begin to step back a little bit and say, okay, God, if we, if we step forward together, where might we go? Now, the truth of the matter is there's no idea where God may take you. But I can promise you this. Every time you follow, every time you say yes, God will grow in you a legacy that is well beyond your life. It echoes into the lives around you. It fans into flame the work of what God's doing in our midst. And it continues one life after another. So I just want to pray. And then we'll transition into our time of response. Let's pray. God, we trust you and we don't say that tritely. God, right now there are some of us in this room that are actually white-knuckling it with you. We would rather walk away. We would rather blame and point fingers. But God, we're, we're trusting you even in the midst of news that gives us fear of struggle that makes us weak, of sin that makes us overwhelmed. 
But God, we are desperate for you. And we are privileged if all we ever get to do is live in this moment and this time. We're privileged. But God, we, we surrender our privilege so that you might receive glory, that the world might come to know you, so that people might experience God, your love, God, and the impact of uh, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, that grace and truth might flow through their lives, that we might be the kind of people that uh, in our words and in our actions and the way that we interact with each other, God, that we, we would be the kind of people that would be missed in those conversations and that they would see you. So God, today, some of us will draw a line in the sand and we will start over. Some of us will draw a line in the sand and we will begin for the first time to walk with you. But whatever our decision is today, may you begin to erase our legacy and make it yours. It's in your son's name that we pray, amen.